And it's teaching time tonight. We give God all the praise and all the honor. I uh, hope that you can get your Bibles now. Amen. We're going to get ready to uh, get into the Word of God. We've been in a series, and we've been talking about Rooted. We're in this series entitled Rooted. And in this series, I've been talking to you, I've been teaching you for the last five weeks, this is four weeks, how to study the Bible. Amen. We've been talking about uh, the steps, amen, on how to study the Bible. I told you last week, uh, if you're going to understand how to study the Bible, you have to realize that the Bible, amen, in itself, amen, is a book that when, when written, when it was written, it had different genres. Told you that you begin with the genres, right? I told you that there were five types of genres. Uh, there was the law, history, um, poetry, major prophets, minor prophets, right? Um, I told you there are the gospels, there's history, there's the letters, and then there are the general letters. And then we have the, um, then we have revelation or prophecy. Now, there's a method that we use uh, in, in Bible study methods. We use a method, and the method that we use it's called observation, interpretation, application, okay? So if you want to write that down, you can. It is observation, interpretation, and then application, okay? And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But before we talk about that today, I want to, want to just uh, continue. Like last week, I told you that the Word of God, and we looked at also what we looked at last week is we looked at when we're studying a passage, right? When we start studying a passage, what we want to do with the passage, we want to make sure that we are um, we are reading the passage in its correct context. For instance, people will take a passage of scripture and they'll just take one verse and they'll say, hey, the Bible says this, right? Uh, for instance, a passage like where two or more are gathered in my name, Matthew 18. There I am in the midst, right? So, so you'll find that people will use, most people, most, not all, but most people will use that passage. And what do they use that passage for? They'll say, well, if we're all together in Bible study, then God is in the midst, right? I mean, that, that makes sense, right? I mean, it, the Bible says that, you know. Have, how many of you have ever, ever heard people say this all the time, right? They say, oh, the Bible says that. Oh, the Bible says that. The, Bi the Bible says that. And because the Bible says that, that's, you know, uh, basically, you know, what we believe, or that's basically how it is, right? But sometimes people will read the Bible, and what they'll do, saints, they will take the Bible out of its context. Amen. Now, I introduced you to a word. I talked to you, I, to, I, I told you about uh, exegy, and I, to, I spoke to you about isogy, right? So to exegy is to draw out of what's already in the Bible, correct? And then I told you that isogy is to read the meaning into the passage. Now, I'm going back to what I was sharing with you about that Matthew 18 passage. With that Matthew 18 passage, the context to that passage, right, like we looked at the context of Hebrews last week, right, the context to that passage is in the context of discipline, that if you have a brother or sister who has fallen into sin, and you go to them and you restore them back to the Lord, 
what happens to them is that God is in the midst, amen, as a witness between you and them that they have restored themselves or they have been restored back, amen, into uh, the fold, okay? That's what that passage is dealing with, okay? So, so always remember, always remember. So if I, were, if, I, if, I, if I would have you to take notes right now, I would tell you, please do me a favor. Always look at the what? At the context. Always look at the what? Always look at the what? The context. Without the context, uh, you're, gonna, you're not going to really fully understand, amen, what the writer is saying. Okay, so I told you so far that the word of God uh, is solid food. The Bible uses word pictures. The Bible uses word pictures. And within these word pictures, uh, you will find out the nature of the word. I told you that the word of God is uh, milk. It's described as a word picture there for milk. Why does the Bible say that the word of God is milk? Because the Bible says we're like newborn babies. We're like newborn babies. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, uh, the average Christian today uh, is suffering from uh, hunger, spiritual hunger, uh, because they don't really know nor understand the word of God. Maybe not all Christians, but most Christians today don't feed on the word. They feed on an experience. They want an experience with God. They want a uh, an emotional shot in the arm. But Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness, right, after 40 days of being fasting and praying, when Satan appeared to him, right, uh, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you say, what does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? That means that you and I need the milk of the word and the meat of the word, right? I told you last week that the Bible also symbolizes itself with the word picture as solid food. So as you can see, the Bible and, and the Bible itself states and helps us to understand that not only are we to use it as milk when we first come into the kingdom, right? But at some point, you ought to move from milk to solid food. Remember what I told you last week? The reason that Paul said, uh, the writer of Hebrews said that he could not speak to them as spiritual people is because they had become dull of hearing. You know what can happen to us. Sin can sometimes creep into our lives and cause us to become dull of hearing. You understand? Uh, distractions and all these other things in our lives can show up to cause us to be distracted from the word of God. And now we're not feeding on the word, but we're feeding on something else but it's not helping us to grow and develop. So we're stuck on milk. Can you imagine being a 30-year-old um, a and you're still stuck on milk, a 40-year-old and you're still, still drinking milk? Now, there's nothing wrong with milk, right? But if it's your main course every day, come on, help me. If it's your main, may I ask you a question, what is your spiritual diet like? And that's something that you have to really ask yourself, right? Now, you, you feed on the word of God. So the Bible says, I told you that I told you before. Not only is it is it solid food, but it's a sword. It it cuts right. And then next thing I want next word picture I want to show you today. I told you it's a fire, and it and it's a hammer. 
as Jeremiah, Jeremiah, uh, let me show it to you. Jeremiah chapter 23. Let me just show it to you right quick. Amen. Say, tell somebody, show it to me, Pastor. Show it to me. All right. Uh, Jeremiah chapter, uh, let me get it for you. Jeremiah chapter 23. I want you to open your Bible. Now, some of you have different translations and things like that, but uh, let me show it to you out of the New American Standard. Jeremiah chapter 29, 23. And we're going to get into the method. We're going to get to the first method tonight, but I want to start here, okay? Uh, 2329, right? Now, remember what I told you that in order for you to study the Bible, you definitely need tools, okay? You need tools. If you don't have tools, you're going to find yourself in a bad place because what you're going to do is, is you're going to confuse yourself when reading. So I told you one of the tools that I recommend that you get is a what? A study Bible, right? A study Bible gives you all the information that you need. We have them here at the church, and you can pick them up, okay? Now watch this. Jeremiah chapter 23 uh, and verse 29. Now what are we going to do? We're going to look at the what? We're going to look at the what? We're going to look at the context, right? We're not just going to read Jeremiah 29, 23 and 29, we're going to go to context. The break is at verse 25. Look what he says. He says, I've heard what the prophets have said who prophesy what? Falsely in my name. The preachers then were prophesying falsely in God's name, using God's name to profit from it. I wish I had somebody saying, I have a dream. I have a dream. How long is there? How long is there anything in the heart of the prophets who prophesied falsehood? even these prophets of the deception of their own heart, who intend to make, watch what they intend to do, make my people forget my name by their what? Dreams. Watch this. Superstition. <laughs> the prophets wanted the people not to rely on the word of God, but wanted them to rely on prophecy that came through, watch this, their dreams. Let me help you with something. Whenever you're talking to, so whenever you're listening to a preacher, whenever you're listening to the word of God, if the preacher is not speaking from the word of God, then you got a problem. Amen. Because you don't need to hear what he's dreaming. Now, God then told me, I don't have a dream of Jericho and a dream of this and a dream of that. And and I'm telling you what God told me to tell you about your life. Don't you fall for that. Amen. You find your comfort and you find your, 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 you find your information, but you also find your affirmation and you find your encouragement. Listen to me real good. Only in the word of God, because apart from the word of God, Amen. You will not find comfort, nor will you find what you're looking for. Amen. The pastor is here to relate the word. And at this particular time, the prophets had lost their way. So it tells you that the pastor can lose his way too. <laughs> right? And so they were talking more about building projects and, you know, God gave me this dream that we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And that's what the prophets were doing at this time. And Jeremiah, who was a true prophet of God, they call him the weeping prophet. The other thing you want to do when you're studying the Bible is you want to find out about your author. And you, I think I told you this already. You want to find out about your author, who the author is. And you also want to find out when it was written, why it was written. And that's what the study Bible will help you with. 
So when you hear me say things like Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, it's because I've studied this already, right? So watch what he says. He says, watch what he says. He says, who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which they relate to one another, just as their fathers forgot my name because of what? Baal or Baal. All right. The proper pronunciation is Baal. That's the Hebrew pronunciation. And, and Baal or Baal is a god, small g god, idols. So what is Jeremiah saying? Jeremiah is saying that the prophets are trying to get the people to forget God's name, right? Just like their fathers forgot his name and served idols. The prophet, verse 28, who has a dream may relate his dreams, but watch this. But let him who has, oh, it's shouting time. Who has what? My word. Listen, you got to discern what type of preacher you want to listen to. Do you want to be, do you want to listen to a preacher that's keep keep talking about his dreams, things that are not in the Bible? Or do you want to listen to a preacher going to tell you what thus says the Lord from his word? Come on and say amen. Virtual amen, all right? Amen. Watch this, watch this. He says, let that prophet who has a dream, he may relate his dream, but let him, but, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. Who does, what does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord. He says, is not my word like what? Fire declares the Lord, see it? And like a what? Hammer, <laughs> which shatters a rock. So, so you got a word picture. Remember, Hebrew language, the Hebrew language, that's what the Old Testament was written in. Hebrew language paints pictures. The New Testament was written in Greek, and it was more of an intellectual language. Okay, so you got to know the difference there, right? So you have the Hebrew language paints pictures, and you have in the New Testament, the Greek language, it is for the intellectual. But look at how God relates the word of God, that the word of God is what? It's like fire. And, and Jeremiah have said this before, it's like fire shut up in my bones, right? But he also says it's like a hammer which shatters a rock. Think about how powerful that is. Can I tell you something? The word of God, saints, is a powerful thing. It is unlike anything you will ever encounter in your life. I believe that some of us are searching for an experience with God, but I promise you, you can have an encounter with God if you get into his word. You say, Pastor, I need to understand it, and I'm going to help you to understand it. Look at verse 30. He says, therefore, behold, I am against the prophet declares the Lord. Watch this now. I'm going to show you something. I am against the prophets. First of all, these prophets were, again, they were prophesying dreams, not the word of God. Right? Look at verse, look at what I'm about to shout. Verse 30 says, therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from the internet. Uh, no, I'm sorry. From each other. In other words, they were sharing sermons. 
Amen. All right. So you got to be careful who you listen to, who decode the word for you, because I want to tell you, there are many people who all they do at preachers and teachers, they search the internet to find their content and they are borrowing sermons from each other. God said they're stealing God's word from each other. Look what he says in verse 31. He says, behold, I'm against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues to declare to declare the Lord declares. In other words, what he's saying is that not only are they stealing the word, <laughs> but then they're coming to you and they're saying, this is why I'm trying to teach you how to study for yourself. So, so, so if you find yourself in a situation where you can't hear me, you will know the difference between the word of God and what man is saying. Oh, I wish I had somebody. God says, listen, they're saying, that I, God said this, and God said this, and God said that, but God said, I ain't said none of that. Here's how you know if it's of God. It came from the word. Are you with me? He said, behold, I am against those, verse 31, who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord, and relate them, watch this, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehood and reckless boasting. He says, yet I did not send them or command them, nor did they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. May I say this to you? If the word is a hammer, and if it's a fire, and it's not doing anything to your life to change you, hello, somebody, then maybe you're not hearing from God. Maybe you're not hearing from the word of God. Maybe the person that you're listening to is not really from God. Because the word convicts you to change. Are you with me? But, but let me show you another picture. Let me, let me show you another picture. So now you've seen that picture, right? Well, let me show you another picture. Go to, go to James for me. Go to James for me. Go to James for me. James chapter 1. All right? Let me show you what the word of God is. i got a few minutes. And I'll introduce you to the first step. All right? James chapter 1. And I want you to look at verse 23 for me. Now watch this. All right. Now, what are we supposed to do? We're in verse 23. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Let me hear you. Look for the context. All right. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. The context. Because I'm kicking in at verse 23. So I'm going to back it up real quick. And I'm going to go to verse 19. All right. Ready? Watch this. This you know, my beloved brother. But everyone, everyone, see that? Must be quick to what? Slow to speak. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the what? The righteousness of God. In other words, you can get so mad where you're trying to do God's work, but he said it don't work. <laughs> 
He says, therefore, putting aside all what? Filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in, see, how you receive the word. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you something tonight that's going to change your life. Most of the times when we hear a word, why were the prophets prophesying their dreams? You ever, you ever thought about that? I don't know if you thought about it, but watch this. Because the people were being convicted by the word. If it, Listen, not every time when you hear sermon preach is going to make you feel good, but, but the word is so powerful that it digs down deep into your life and it starts getting to the areas in your life that needs to be, that, that needs correcting, okay? But watch this, watch this now. A lot of times we come to church, but the way we receive the word, it has no effect on our lives. See? He says, he says first of all, you got to put aside some stuff from your life. If you want the word to work in your life, I wish I had somebody. If I spoke in tongues, I would do it. Oh, Shondo. Okay, watch this. <laughs> he said, he said, put it aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility. Say, Pastor, what? Let, let's, let me introduce you to something. Let me show you what this word humility means. All right. The word humility here means gentleness, meekness. See it? In the Greek. This is the Greek word, not the English word, but the Greek word for, for uh, humility. Watch this now. Watch this now. A mild disposition, disposition. Gentleness of what? Spirit. You can't come to Bible study mad and think you're going to receive something from God. You can't come to the God's word when you get to, when you go to read it, and you're mad about life, you're mad about your situation, you're mad about everything, and then you're trying to go, I need a word to just calm me down. Listen, you have to receive it with the right spirit. And what is that spirit? The spirit of what? Humility. Most of the times, we are listening but we're not hearing you know how i check you know how i test people that's why well that's why what i what we do in bible study here that's why after bible study i have y'all to break off in the groups right and i have y'all to talk about what you learned and if you ever notice right there's only a few people that talk in your group right well i i i want you to call them out i want you to say well what did you learn See, you have to talk about what you've learned because if you don't understand, then, then I got another formula. I'll show you that next week, why you're having a hard time understanding it. But the first thing you have to decide on today is if I'm going to read the word, if I'm going to learn how to study the Bible for myself, I have to receive it with humility, with the right spirit. Look what he says. He says, with humility, receive the word, what? 
implanted. Let me show you what the word does for you. When you receive it with the right spirit, it goes in you and it never leaves you. In other words, it becomes a permanent part of you. That's what the word implant means. Here, here's what the word implant means. Watch this. Watch this now. Engrafted. Has anybody ever had an implant? Well, if you lose a, a, a tooth, right? You, you go to the dentist and they say it ain't going to grow back. Some of us got some of those. And, 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 and you, know, you know, not the ones you take out. I ain't talking about the ones you put on a nightstand at nighttime in the cup. I'm talking about that one. What I'm talking about is the one that they implant. They literally drill and they literally implant it in you and it becomes part of you. So does this make sense? The word of God becomes, watch this, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, listen to me, it becomes part of you. Do I have anybody? It becomes part of you. It, 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 he says when you receive it with humility, it, it, it comes in your life and it remains in your life Watch this, because the word is like nothing else you'll ever experience in your entire life. Do I have anybody? It's that powerful where it never leaves you. Watch this. Some of you remember uh, when you were little, right? There's some things you do remember about the word. You, there's some things you do remember what you've learned, right? And, and that's the whole. That's the whole thing, y'all. When we receive the word with humility, with the right spirit, watch this, it, it comes in our lives and it's, it's engrafted in us, right? But watch this now, watch this now. You ready? That ain't the point I was trying to get to. The context always gets me caught up, all right? Watch this. He says, which is able to save your souls? Jesus says, but the word saves your soul, right? All-encompassing because Jesus is the Word. John 1, 1, right? Amen. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word is God. Now, verse 22, watch the, watch the text. After you've received it with the right spirit, look at verse 22. He says, but prove yourself to be what? Are you a fan or are you a follower? Prove yourself to be what? Doers of the word. Listen, everything you need for life is found in the word of God. Now, I got to stop here because I'm not getting to what I came here to do today. And that's the problem. So I want to get into my first step in, in, in what I'm doing right now. Okay, so I'm illustrating it, and then I'm going to give you the, 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 you know, the, the, the process, right? Okay. So, so, so let's get it. Let's get it first. Let me, let me get my point. Right. Okay. Here's the first step. All right. All right. So the first step in Bible study methods is this, and I'm gonna get back to that text. Watch. I'm gonna time manage. Watch. Watch this. First step is what? 
observation. So write it down, write it down. First step, I've given you all things, get the tools, get this, receive it a certain kind of way. But, but here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say to you, okay? I got 11 minutes. Watch this. Observation. What, so, so, so what I was just doing just now is I was showing you how to do observation, right? But, but actually, I was, I was going through the pro whole process. So, but, but in all actuality, when you're reading a passage, right, you want to look, what, you ask the question, what do you see? Right? What do I see? What, what are the facts, the biblical facts? All right? What do I see? Right? The second step is, okay, now I see what I see. Now, the, the second step is interpretation. What does it mean? What does it mean to who? To the, to the audience before, to who is written to originally. That's the first thing that you have to find out. But remember, with the study Bible, you can get that information right away. And then lastly, so listen, observations are many. And I want you to write this down. There's only one interpretation. There's only one interpretation, okay? One, there's not two, there's not three, there's not four. Now watch this, when you say to me, well, pastor, I think this passage means this. You're talking about application because there are many applications, but only one interpretation. You got that? Everybody got that? All right, good. All right, so there's what? There's many what? Applications, but only what? One what? Interpretation. Does that make sense? Is it making sense? Yes, it's making sense. Okay, good. All right, so you have observation, interpretation, application. So in observation, the question is, what do I see? What are the facts? All right? And there's certain things you're going to look for in observation. The observation, basically, you become like a detective. All right. So you, be, you become, now you ever notice that when I'm, when I'm teaching, and I just illustrated, I point out certain things that were there, but you probably didn't see it before, because what I'm doing is I'm being, a, I'm, be, I'm being, a, I'm being very, very analytical in a sense. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking until I see what God is trying to show me by way of the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit who wrote the word, who delivered the word to us. And now we can use the method. This is the method right here. Observation, interpretation, and then application. What do I see? What are the facts? Interpretation, then, what does it mean? What does this all mean? What does it mean in light of the context? And then lastly, application. How does it work in my life? Okay, got it? All right, now let me show you something real quick. I'm time managing. So in observation, there are four things that you must look for in observation. Four things. Terms. You're looking for terms or what I call key words in the Bible, or verbs, all right? The key word, it unlocks the meaning of the passage, all right? Remember that. Key words unlock what? The meaning of the passage. So you got to look for what? Key words. So when I'm reading, I'm looking like, I'm like, oh, okay. 
There's a keyword. Oh, okay. There's a keyword. All right. There's a keyword. All right. A verb, right? We must learn to recognize them and pay close attention to them. Example, the Gospel of John, for instance, the word believe, this one word believe, it appears 70 times and always as a verb. So whenever you see words repeating itself, like we like when we were reading in Jeremiah, right? What did we see repeated? The, what was one word that we saw repeat? I wish y'all were here with me. Uh, watch this. What was one word that we saw repeated itself all the time? Prophets, 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 dreams, 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 right? Okay, you see those words. So God is basically pointing out something that's very important, right? So you look for those terms. You pay attention to the terms, the keywords. And I'll show you how to find the keywords in one of our lessons. Next thing you want to look for is structure, the grammatical structure. All right? Those of you who went to school, I'm just going to give you this. What is the subject of the sentence? What is the object of the sentence? All right? What is the main verb of the sentence? The more you know about grammar, the more you'll get out of the passage. All right? All right? I'm going to leave it right there. I'm not going to stay too long here. Just, just look for the structure. Write it down. Take a picture of it. All right? If not, go back on the video or you can go on YouTube and it will have these, uh, it will have it in the chapters or you can just press on it to get to this information, right? So know the structure, right? Look at the keywords, the terms, all right? Got five minutes, all right? Then you have to look at the literary form, the genre. Remember we talked about that? What is the genre? Is it poetry? Uh, is it history? Uh, what is it? And I, and I shared these genres with you, okay? Uh, the biblical genre is a particular style of writing in the biblical text, which reveals differences of intent, meaning, authorship, register, tone, formality, and formatting. Biblical genre are part of the broader types of literary forms, okay? So what you're trying to find out, is this poetry? Is this a letter? So the, the, in the book of James, right, that is a, that's a letter. That's a general letter to the church. So we're treating that as a letter, right? And James is writing to believers who were going through persecution, right, at that particular time. And so whenever you hear things like that, that's how you do that, okay? So here's the thing, right? So um, <laughs> I gave you this before, right? I showed you this on last week uh, about, about the different styles like history. Genesis, Exodus, you know, all of these books. Leviticus is law. There are a lot of law, Le Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the wisdom literary, the poetry, you know, you have all of this information, right? Also, here's something else you want to do. You want to get the atmosphere of, of the passage, of the verse. It involves picking up the setting and the feeling from the biblical text. In other words, you got to ask yourself a question. What, the, what is it like to be in the author's shoes? Transport your senses into the passage 
This is an exercise for the imagination, okay? It's an exercise for the, what? For the imagination, all right? So you wanna, you wanna basically pick up what's going on, get into the author's shoes and figure out what, not figure out, but you know, like for instance, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Where is the writing? Well, if you use your if you use your tools, you'll find out that he is in a prison. All right. Paul is in a prison writing, but he's writing saying, rejoice again. I say rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. OK. All right. I want to stop here. So we start off with it. With what? What did we start off with? Observation. Right. We stopped that started off with observation. Now, I want to finish this text for you real quick. All right, look what he says. Now let's let's use our observation skills now, okay? Here we go. He says, but prove yourself what? Doers of the word. That's a verb, isn't it? All right, and not merely what? Hearers, who what? Who delude themselves. See, a person who hears and don't apply, what are they doing? They're fooling themselves. I hear you. I hear you, Pastor. I hear you. I hear you. But you ain't doing nothing. You haven't done it. <laughs> You've heard me, but you haven't done it. And some people hear me, but they don't do it anyways. But watch verse 23. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word, what, you see that word repeated? What word is repeated here? Yeah, observation. The word hearers. Right? If anyone is what? A hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. Right? You see the word doer? It, it, you see that? See that? Observation. We're doing observation, right? He says, now, now, what, now what, what this is right here, when it says he is like a man, you'll see that a whole lot in Scripture. So the statement will be made, and then it will be illustrated. So he, said, he says, prove yourself to be a doer of the word, not merely a hearer who delude themselves. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man. In other words, now, is, now what the writer is doing is illustrating. He's like a man who looks, looks at himself, at his natural face in the what? In a mirror. So what he's saying is that the word of God is a mirror. So you look at it and it shows you yourself. He looks at his natural, he says, this is the man who hears the word. But he doesn't do it. He says he looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. See, what he's saying is that when you look at the word, it should show you a reflection of who you are. Amen. And when the word of God is read devotionally, uh, instructionally, uh, and then applied, you then begin to see yourself for who you really are. Say, oh, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Bob didn't tip. When you look at the word, you're like, dang, I'm falling short. All right? But it's, it's not just for that, but it's there to show you. You you look in the mirror so you see what, you know, you put present yourself a certain kind of way. But what he's saying is that when you look at the word, you should look at it intently 
because it's a mirror. But when you hear it and you apply it, that means you're paying attention. That means you're really paying attention. That means you're taking notes. And then while you're taking notes, now you're applying it to your everyday life. 